right, so Jennifer, you said we could release this one as a bonus segment because I wasn't sure maybe what we should do with it, but you introduced me to Chandler oh, yeah. Heath. How, how do you describe Chandler to people? He is my go-to for all things Internet of Things because I guarantee you whatever the solution or use case is, he's got it set up in his home lab, his home city, and he's got a dashboard that's been tracking data on any use case you can imagine for like the last year at least. He's yeah, fascinating. I was I was impressed. What I love about what you're about to see next and, and what Jennifer and I got a chance to enjoy, although Jennifer, I guess you've experienced a lot of this before, is he does a lot of show and tell. And so he's yes. showing us the Grafana dashboard that he's built and explaining the relationship and why certain things are monitored the way they are. Everything from something that sounds as boring as monitoring a generator over time, realizing that he needed to introduce fault into it so he could, you know, kind of see how that was going to react and and then how that would be responded to. But then snow and ice to chemical levels in lakes around his home. Amazing. And it'll open up your mind. It'll open your mind in terms of what sensors could do for you. And I still, you know, I I had a note. I seriously was going to consider this. I had a note that he talked about how I could put in a sensor to let my kids know the litter box for the cats needed to be taken out. Because he said an ammonia sensor. Just got to figure out the baseline and this kind of stuff. I was telling my daughter, and she goes, Dad, you're so extra. I'm not really extra. I, I have a it's dream. Possible. I'm like a half-assed extra because I'm like, I think about it because I'm, you know, inspired by people like Chandler. And then I realized that's ah, a lot of work. It's going to take some and, work to put it in. Yeah. Oh, Chandler, <laughs> someone on Etsy makes something like this for me. I don't know. Anyway. All right. Well, he's fun. I'm so glad to, because actually he's going to be on another Tech 37 episode that we're working on around private 4G LTE and CBRS stuff. So I'm looking forward to working with him again and I feel like we already knew each other, thanks to you, Jennifer. Yeah. Yeah, I appreciate that. Anyway, hey, let's go, let's go now and talk to Chandler Heath. All right, it's time for our lab segment. Now, Jennifer, you wanted to introduce us to Chandler Heath. Chandler, I thank you for, for being here, but let's just start generically. What is it, uh, how did you describe what you do for Worldwide Technology? Yeah, thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. So one of my roles is a is a, an IoT solutions architect. Uh, my focus is working with our customers and our field um, personnel. So that would be, you know, our account managers and our engineers uh, to articulate IoT solutions and to help our customers uh, grasp the technology. And and basically, we I work on the translation of, of an outcome you know, to some type of an architecture that can help serve them. Is it safe to say that people bring you in when they have loose ideas that fall somewhere in the IoT realm, which I don't think is really that narrow of, a, of an expertise, uh, but they say, hey, Chandler, we've got a germ of an idea. Can you help us grow it into something specific, perhaps, or help us understand that it needs more? Um, we just need to understand if it's a good thing to go after, perhaps, or how we'd go about doing yes. that kind of stuff. Yeah, that, that's actually a big part of what I do is, is help educate you know, we do briefings, we do, you know, workshops, you know, depending on the, you know, the folks that are attending, we tend to, uh, you know, maybe start off with a business, you know, perspective and get into technical, but we may have the full, you know, cross-section of an organization culturally for IOT in the room. Um, so I work, actually work the whole room and, you know, from the business outcome all the way to, you know, if it, if it comes to it, solutioning. Excellent. Okay. And I've made sure that every time that I'm in the same room with Chandler and he's giving a presentation and showing his dashboard of sensors, that I make sure that it's recorded in some way, shape, or form so that that content can be distributed internal to WWT. Gotcha. Okay. So this is stuff worth recording is what you're saying, Jennifer? Yes. All right. Well, good. Well, we're recording. 
obviously. Um, If you're watching this at all, you know, we're recording. Well, Chandler, so Jennifer uh, lovingly referred to you as really the IoT geek or guy. I can't remember the exact word used, but it's all lovingly um, in that just the funny, strange and useful ideas that she always hears you coming up with and different things that you're doing. I don't know exactly what you're going to share with us today, but Jennifer assures us that it's valuable. And I don't know it's what, do you, what have you got. Okay, <laughs> excellent. I, that's good enough for me. That's awesome. Well, I'm going to bring up a dashboard. So just okay. just a, maybe a little bit of background. Um, you know, a lot of the way my brain works is I'm always trying to solve problems. I'm a problem solving junkie. You know, I'm a bulldog when it comes to you know solving problems where people say, "Ah, we can't do that," or "That's you know that's not possible." I'm like, "Yeah, watch me." <laughs> so. <laughs> You know, I really like that that aspect of it um, and being able to, you know, look back, you know, and actually solving a problem. It's not really the destination, it's the journey and, you know, learning so much and being able to share a lot, you know, along the way as well uh, makes it a lot of fun. All right. Well, where's the right place to start today? So what we're going to do is I have uh, just a dashboard that I use for most of my demos. I'm going to, I'm going to take you down kind of the path of, um, you know, what sensor data looks like. Um, and then kind of the systems that, that you know, produce that data. And then I'm actually going to show you some real world pictures of, you know, where this stuff is actually installed, you know, and, uh, you know, kind of in the real world, you know, meaning the backyard or, you know, could be at a mountaintop or, you know, really wherever. So um, really I'm looking at on the upper left-hand corner, I have a uh, basically an industrial box that has a solar panel and a battery. And what I'm actually measuring is the, you know, basically the charge current of, of the battery, you know, it's only sunny for so long and these, these controllers need to actually be, have power to them. Um, so what this gives us is a really good visualization of the charge cycles. Um, a, a lot of this goes into sizing, right? So I do a lot of the testing and, you know, to figure out what is the sizing of a particular solution, battery size, you know, and solar panel. Um, below that, we're actually looking at uh, really kind of how the sausage is made, if you would, um, talking to those microcontrollers, um, extracting the data, you know, and then sending it to uh, a database where we're actually doing the visualization here. So, yeah, again, I'm really showing kind of the elements of that, yeah. you know, the fact that we're actually sending this to a database, um, you know, is super helpful. Um, I'm actually going to show you here, too, how we're able to visualize uh, just even the raw data, you know, that's okay. coming out. And a lot of this is I connect to a device. I don't know what I'm going to get, you know, coming out of that particular device. Right. So I need to make sure that the data is scaled, that it's, you know, the right value, it's the right resolution, um, you know, before we actually send it to a database. Right. So a lot of this is can be trial and error, um, you know, but you know, we try to do our best to make sure that, you know, the data that comes out is, is accurate. What's the big picture of what we're looking at here? Because of the stuff we're measuring, I feel like we're jumping into the granular side of the pond, but what's the application or, or what's important to understand? in the Yeah. Context? So in this particular use case, this would be a, a controller like out in an oil field, for example, okay. it's sampling uh, temperature, it's sampling pressure, it's sampling, um, you know, multitudes of uh, you know, of data on assets that might exist in an oil field, in a manufacturing facility, uh, maybe in a power plant. So um, this data, you know, really is representative of those types of industries. So when I go through and, and show these, these really appeal to, you know, the folks that, 
maybe run those systems. But then we also get people from the business that look at it from a cost perspective, right? So if I'm able to help them visualize the data um, that's available that they may not be collecting or may, they may be collecting but not using, um, you know, it helps them to make decisions, make decisions on, you know, do I have the correct battery size? In this case, a correct battery size. Do I have a, a solar panel that's big enough? Um, in this particular instance, I had three days of, of cloud, right? Cloud cover, the battery died. Okay, now I need to know, now I know I need to actually go to a larger uh, battery and panel, right? So yeah. a lot of this is that, uh, you know, putting that stuff into perspective. Very condition specific too. I don't know how often that comes up. I guess it's just everything is app. Everything you do must be, as I think about it now, must be extremely dependent on the surroundings and the application. What needs to be measured? What is it being combined with? Is it real-time yeah. communication versus sporadic check-ins? Um, yeah. Those type of and things. the magic of all of that is, you know, a lot of times you don't see um, solar, you know, like how much sun you're getting and, you know, what the charge cycle is, but you might also take a look at what's going on on the other side of that controller. You may see things that you never saw in the same context, right? Time is the context uh, that we put this into where then you start to see the needles in the haystack. You start to see um, the deficiencies in, in whatever those processes or, you know, or systems are. Um, and then you can actually make a, a, an informed decision on how you modify that. You know, how am I going to change that to make that better? You know, move that needle one degree, right, as, as an example. And we talk about context is, is also putting together, say, weather data, right? So I'm actually showing here, you know, there's some weather data that I'm actually capturing. And I've got five years of weather data, um, you know, from my lab perspective. And there's a lot of things that I can, you know, that I can kind of glean from that. Things like air quality, that's a, another example, you know, from an outdoor perspective, very important, but even indoors and especially now, uh, you know, being able to measure air quality and then correlate that with, you know, how often is the air exchanged, especially in, you know, these days of COVID, you know, very important, you know, metrics to get people back to work, right? So th this is just kind of an example of, you know, again, how I can apply this you know, in other areas. Can, I, this is a side, sidebar question, but it can, how do you measure exchange? Of course, I'm going to compare to my, my, my office, but it's like, is there a way to measure, uh, or is it very specialized to measure the air being exchanged? Because how long it takes to replace this amount of air potentially and all those kind of things? It, it, yeah, it's a lot of it. Without getting too, too in the weeds, um, oh. a, a lot of it's, if you know how much air is coming in, you have a measurement of cubic feet per minute, typically, you know, that's an industry standard. Uh, you know, you have a temperature and a humidity value related to that. Uh, and then what's going out, you also know that as well. One of the things that we measure is CO2 level. So on this dashboard, you'll also see um, that there's a CO2 level and that's something, you know, internally in a building, when you start to get, uh, you know, conference rooms that are not, um, uh, where the air is not exchanged on a regular basis, that CO2 level starts to starts to rise. And when it gets into that two to 3,000 parts per million, that's when people start to kind of nod off and, you know, feel drowsy and things like that. Um, we had some really good examples of that in one of our facilities. I just happened to feel that way. And I went to the building, you know, uh, the facilities folks and looked at the data and saw the alerts and we actually found a problem on the right. So, you know, Jen, you mentioned the FLIR sensor. So this was something that's, um, that, that's really interesting. So FLIR is one of the manufacturers that makes these cameras 
that really are a sensor where you can't apply a sensor. For example, you know, this is actually on a, on a panel, you know, like on an electrical panel, right? You can't obstruct, you know, the, uh, the circuit breakers in that panel. Another example might be, you know, if you've got, you know, belts like between a fan and, and a motor, uh, you can't put a sensor on a belt, but you can measure the temperature of those, of those assets. So what I have set up here is, is really taking a look at, um, what the temperature is of breakers, right? So when you have a rise in temperature, there's typically, you know, a load is occurring and you also have, um, you know, potentially it might be overloaded, you know, as one example, or you might have some type of fault with the breaker itself. So what I'm just showing here is there was a rise in temperature, you know, illustrated, you know, with a breaker and it happens to coincide with, you know, when a particular process is running. Now, if, if that is the case and it actually rises and stays there for a longer period of time, it might indicate that I have a, a, a bigger problem that I need to go and take a look at before it becomes catastrophic, right? So um, what's nice is, you know, sensors are physical devices, but now you also have the ability to, you know, use video, for example, and I'm just using infrared uh, to turn that into a sensor. Yeah, because essentially a video image is data and so how you measure it or what you pull off of it and what you do with it, I guess, is just like any other sensor of, of measuring a certain amount of something. Well, I, I'm curious, I am curious how standardized um, is the ability to um, bring in, because you've mentioned several times about combining points of data that ostensibly yeah. come from different sensors who may come from different manufacturers and such like this. How hard is it to create dashboards to be able to bring that in? Is it a very much a case by case basis or is it getting better these days? What's, what's the state of the nation? Yeah, it, it's a choice, right? So when you're as part of the architectures that, that I design and I recommend are a lot of them are open standard. Um, a lot of them are open source as well. The, if you can minimize the propriety of, of data and, and the way it's transported, it becomes a lot, a lot easier to do. Everything I do, you know, basically comes off of, IO controllers in one of three protocols, it gets transformed into like MQTT, for example, you know, message queue telemetry transport. It's a, it's an open standard protocol where I can send that and anybody who writes to that standard can, you know, consume that data and, and participate in that, uh, you know, that broker subscriber uh, relationship. Actually, uh, so in the upper right-hand corner, this was kind of an interesting uh, correlation. So, <clears throat> water quality is also a big, uh, a big issue, especially in, in multiple industries, right? Mm -hmm. And being able to monitor things like temperature, you know, in contrast with things like, you know, dissolved oxygen, for example, lakes, for example, you know, very important to make sure that the health of the lake, you know, is maintained. Um, you know, and if you have lakes that are anaerobic, then you start to get, you know, bacteria that grow, you start to get some of the uh, algae blooms and things like that. Uh, again, bringing that data out and, you know, contrasting that with maybe it's an air conditioning system, maybe I have a holding pond, um, maybe I'm at risk. If I have that organization, uh, if I have an issue with, with the water, I might be breeding um, Legionnaire's disease, right, and cause a lot of problems for uh, you know, for the tenants and, you know, for the occupants of a building. So, you know, again, a lot of these things are very delicate um, systems, but if we can measure them, we can also alert the correct people to, to make necessary changes. F you know, from a, from a sensor standpoint, so one of the places that I started was weather, um, you know, having accurate, 
you know, and reliable, you know, weather sensing is really important, especially if you're, you know, say you're a vineyard, right? You're growing grapes, you're growing really any type of crop, you know, very important to have uh, accurate sensors and reliable, dependable um, sensors. And, you know, this, these are some pictures of some of the installation. So on the left, I've got, you know, basically a Davis weather station, you know, it's, it's a top grade. This one is actually meant for agriculture. Um, you know, it does a great job of, you know, measuring weather in a very localized area. <clears throat> and then, you know, I went down the path of actually installing some sensors in the ground, right? So I live in Minnesota. Our frost, our frost line is about 48 inches. So I actually have sensors that go down, you know, uh, 8, 12, 16, 30, or 24, 32, and then down to 54 inches. And uh, basically measuring over time, the changes in, you know, in the temperature in the ground uh, also helps, you know, understand, uh, you, you know, from farmer perspective, when they can start putting crops in, right? So a smart agriculture type, type setup. Um, so I have all, all, some pictures here, you know, and I've got sensors in a, you know, in a mug of water, you know, just to kind of getting them prepared, just some of the, the stuff you don't really think ask about that. I was like, what is going on with the coffee cup? Yeah. So those are, those are, um, soil moisture sensors. Um, and basically cool. you have to soak them for 24 hours before you put them in the ground. So it's a gypsum. It's like, you know, the stuff that sheetrock's made out of, you know, they're gypsum. So they hold water in there. And then there's a little conductive type, uh, arrangement in there where the sensors are actually uh, responding, uh, with an impedance, right? So it's oh, the more water that's in there, you know, the, the, le the more current flows, things like that. Yeah. Cause um, I was thinking, I want to know if there's soil in my coffee cup, not water in my soil, just with yes, that particular exactly. one. But it also, it dawns on me here, Chandler, that you, and I'm curious if you're, you strike me as probably, this is just the way you are. Have you had to learn with all the things you're doing, do you get to poke deeply into areas of expertise with other experts, say farming, oil, stuff maybe you didn't know anything about before you understand data and now you're looking at how to apply data sensing yeah. that's kind of neat that's really neat yeah and actually so i have a picture down here i have a picture of two sensors one is uh, a corroded sensor and then one is you know what it actually looks like the replacement actually looked like i actually learned that you know soil is very corrosive yeah. and the fact that i've got a, a very small voltage you know, that, that shows up on the, the stainless steel, you know, cup of this thing um, actually conducts, it finds that shortest path to ground and it literally ate it away. So, you know, you can see the stainless steel cup is gone and the sensor's actually on the inside of it. Um, but yeah, things that you learn, Gal galvanic response, that was the one that I, that I learned on that one. You're so making me wish I'd paid more uh, attention in high school science. I know. I'm paying the price, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, power energy management. That's another, you know, kind of aspect. Yeah. And then I've got a picture in here of, you know, one of my first projects, you know, put in a box and it kind of sat outside for, for three years. And, you know, so it was kind of, a, it was a lot of fun, you know, it's, and that's the whole idea here is, you know, doing this stuff and learning and then being able to convey that, you know, to customers. And, you know, sometimes it's, uh, you know, tongue in cheek, but sometimes it's serious stuff, right. You know, that you learn and, um, you know, move so you're forward. Saying you play with this stuff personally as well as professionally. I do. I, you know, I yeah. try to I try to understand, you know, how these things work. I try to, you know, figure out how to make them better. And then of course, trying to convey it. Right. And, and the best way I can do that is doing it. So, yeah. yeah, I actually put a FLIR camera on my bike rack 
right? So okay. in the, in the wintertime, what I'm actually working on is I have a FLIR camera that's actually able to give me temperature from, from various aspects of what it sees. So I have it set um, to face toward the road. And what I'm looking for is ice, right? So it's kind of like ice detection, right? So part of that um, infrared is a lot of it, you know, when it hits ice, it tends to refract, you know, very, uh, very intense, very intensely. So it gives you a value that, that you wouldn't necessarily expect, but to know exactly where that's occurring. So I have a, you know, latitude and longitude point for that particular sample, you know, being able to correlate that, you know, we could apply that for, uh, you know, public works or departments of transportation that are looking to salt a particular area instead of salting the whole, you know, freeway, just salt the areas that really need it. You know, okay, now reduce. I just realized you've got this on the rack that's mounted to your vehicle, so it's moving. Exactly. Okay, I'm sorry. I was trying to imagine your bike rack just sitting in your garage, and I'm like, walk outside, Chandler, um, and exactly see if it's right, yeah. or wet or whatever. But yeah, no. Okay, I see what you mean. Yeah. Okay, I'm just here to help. I'm just, you know, I don't know that's if you thought through all these. Hard, things. To, hard to see it when you can't. See it. Yeah. So I'll okay, okay. here, I've got, you know, basically this in industrial control setup. So a lot of what I do, and especially because of COVID now, you know, my labs in St. Louis, I've had to really pull my lab into, you know, where I live in Minneapolis. So, you know, kind of some raw footage of, of that and, you know, trying to work around, you know, confined space and, and things like that. Is so, your family patient with you? Uh, yeah, okay. I, I am who I am. And it's too late now. Yeah. Too late now. That's right. Again, this goes back to, you know, you were asking me about how do we engage with customers and whatnot. We actually had a request come in through our website or www.t.com website company that said, we want to be able to basically measure the draft height of a barge, right? Just now, a total draft height again for me. Is that the water? Yeah. So, or is that... so draft height is the distance between the deck and okay. the surface of the water. Okay, now, and I'm they're considering when they fill that barge that, you know, the displacement, you know, re basically reduces the value, right? Okay. So they know how much product they put in there based on the displacement, but the solution they had is no longer supported. Right. And this is something that's really critical for, for their, um, for their needs. So they just happened to reach out to us in St. Louis. I got the call and it was like, Oh, cool. And I kind of take a look at this. We had a couple calls with the customer came up with a, you know, basically a proof of concept, right? So again, this is, you know, we're going to try this out. So it came up with a, you know, black steel made this kind of handle almost look like a walker, you know, with a pipe that goes out and the sensors basically read that value. So these are actually industrial sensors, you know, being used in, you know, in a non-industrial environment, right? So we ended up proving it out and uh, they're actually waiting on funding, you know, to be able to do it. And, uh, but it's going to save them, you know, hundreds of hours of deckhand time, you know, that they have to pay a contractor to go out there and actually measure, you know, with a stick, um, you know, what that distance is. So, yeah, that Just, was kind of fun. Yeah. Well, well, this one actually needed a, a life jacket because they needed to be able to float. So <laughs> we didn't get that far. But I'm thinking pool noodle or, you know, Jen, what are the things yeah. we use in yoga, right? It's the, it's the yeah. roller thing. Yeah. The foam roller. Yeah. Yeah. Roller, yeah, that would be perfect for that. I think Jennifer, were, were you ever an inner tuber? Do you ever float down the river when you're in Texas? No, you never did that. It requires oh. too much sunscreen. Oh, it does that. Yeah. Oh, that's right. You and I are as pale as <laughs> vamp. We're going to have a vampire show here next. Yeah. Um, no. That's perfect. 
Well, this is really cool. So obviously anyone, uh, you know, it's a worldwide technology has you and the rest of your team that does these kind of things to pull all the right experts in. But Mm -hmm. literally people could come to you with loose ideas and say, this is what I'm thinking. Can you help me firm it up or tell me I'm crazy or that I'm ahead of my time or maybe I'm behind my time and someone else is already doing something I'm trying to create, whatever it may be. You sounds like you enjoy wrapping your head around these kind of things. I, I do. And actually, there was yeah. one that came to me and I actually built a sensor network um, that covers a good part of uh, South Minneapolis. And one of the things that we ran into in the summertime um, with the heat is the increase in E. coli. Right. So basically knowing, you know, can I go to the beach or not? The beaches were closed because of COVID. But even, you know. They close even when they did have them kind of open. They were closed because of you know high levels of E. coli. Um, being able to deploy sensors in the water to be able to show the temperature at various depths, um, you know, is something I took on. And um, you know, I've got a, a prototype, you know, that I basically yeah. built. Um, you know, and this this network covers probably you know a, a radius of about three miles, and uh, you know, just going to continue to build it. Just the last picture was kind of fun. You know, it yeah. was kind of a uh, full featured, you know, demo where I'm measuring, you know, in, in industry, you have assets that, you know, uh, rotate. So you've got motors, pumps, drives, things like that, you know, measuring temperature, vibration, you know, pressure, all of that, you know, I had equipped a, a, an air compressor, right. And I have like two years of data of this thing going on and off, you know, and then modifying it. So it actually, you know, throws it off. So you can actually look and see the anomalies and stuff. We ended up doing some work, in the um, uh, utility space, actually in, in power generation. Um, and we worked with a, a major utility to come up with a, a package solution uh, for a nuclear plant to basically monitor the uh, intake pumps and, you know, feed water pumps and, you know, all of those types of things, you know, which there was actually a lot of ROI associated with that because the, you know, the, the investment that made in the sensors and, you know, in the systems was, you know, probably paid within nine months, you know, after they had lost a particular asset because now they were able to watch it and track it and take care of it before it actually catastrophically failed. Right. It's always about finding kind of those leading indicators, I guess, and then figuring out, okay, how are we going to use that? Because it may be extending the life or being aware of the the change in life of, of a part that may be cheap in and of itself, but could lead to a cascade effect of more expensive Yep. Yeah. There's a lot of business out, uh, business benefits to, to this stuff that yeah. we, a lot that we don't even, we don't even know about yet. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. This is so much fun Chandler. So good to meet you. And I appreciate you joining us on no bad. Wi-Fi. Absolutely. Enjoy the rest of your day, ma'am. Thank you. You too.